They told me what you doing I said what I'm about to do is turn the fuck up Hey this is Grizzly Kajic And you're listening to Dark Match Podcast This is the hottest sensation in pro wrestling today Outlandish Zicky Dice And you're listening to the Dark Match Podcast this is Jesse Mack, and you're listening to the Dark Max Podcast. I'm way too tired for this shit. Do I have everybody's attention now? Now, now, now? So as the weeks go on, I just feel more and more, and no disrespect to anybody on the roster, but I continuously feel like AEW is just slowly becoming the new WCW. Yeah, it's kind of feeling that way, isn't it? It, it is. Like, it... Now, granted, he might be just going a different direction and kind of playing on people, but like Gerald Briscoe now makes an announcement, spells can't like con, and at this point, who knows what the heck is going on? Now, I should rephrase, because they are signing a lot of good talent that was very underutilized. No, but but it was the whole thing of you leave WWE, you went to WCW. Now yeah. it's you leave WWE, you go to AEW. But you also go to some people have gone to Impact Wrestling, and some people have had good careers. But most of the people that are going to Impact Wrestling have already had careers in Impact Wrestling, with the exception of Heath Slater, and I, I believe Eric Young is now their champion once again. Had a great run in Sanity. Really could have did something. With Sanity on the main roster, and what do they do? They gave them one match, they won, and then their next match they lose, and then they just lose every freaking week after that. They didn't know what to do with Killian Dane to the point where they sent him back to to NXT anyway. But he he could have been a powerhouse. I, I would have loved to have seen Braun Strowman versus Killian Dane. Don't get me wrong, that would have been a great feud if they did it correctly. They they could play off their pasts and. And really work in the sanity and Wyatt family dynamic. I mean, Jesus, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking of storylines. I don't even work for them. But I just feel like every single week it's like, okay, who's going to AEW now? Who's going to Impact Wrestling? But it seems like more people are just going towards AEW. But I I, I can't really get behind the whole show still. No, because... there, to me, there's no variety. It's this. It's most of the time, it's the same people, like dozen people. Well, and that's it's the like all the and, and all the people that they. It's like they're signing all these people, and where do you see them? Dark AEW Dark. You yeah. don't see you. You don't even put them on actual. It's like okay, so they're on YouTube. Great. I mean, granted, AEW but, Dark is really giving that platform to some of these wrestlers that many people don't know about. Yeah, like but just recently, I just saw. Um, Black uh, Blackwood on there, and Garcia, and then there's my wife who's breaking shit in the background. Yeah, she's having her own she, hardcore match in the back. She really is. She just hit herself over the head with a with a frying pan, apparently. But <laughs> like, but then you got Danny Jordan, the mean girl of wrestling. Yeah. So they're they're really putting some great names on there. But bring them on yeah, to why the can't, actual show. Yeah, why can't they? Yeah, why can't they be on the main show? Storylines. Like, why? Because whatever. why? Because everything's got to be. Dark Order, uh, Inner Circle, um, then whatever the Orange Cassidy's doing. 
Well, whatever Orange or was Cassidy's. It, was it best friend? Was it the be, is it best friends? Is yeah, that the best friends and Orange Cassidy. <sighs> but Orange Cassidy can wrestle. But then yeah. You, but now. But you it have sounds this. like they have. Was it him and Darby Allen? I think have this thing going. Yeah. But that you know, so that's at least a little different. But obviously, that's going to still be buried in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Matt Hardy and his stuff. It's I, I it's it's watched. like this. I have I haven't either. I just like follow some of the stuff because it's just like the same half dozen things. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. Okay, what's Chris Jericho doing now? What's being Cody? What's fucking goat? What's Cody doing now? What's Dark Order doing now? Like it's like oh, come look. on. Hangman Adam Cage is a drunk again. So I, I'm right there with you. But there's a lot more that we need to talk about. Obviously, this past weekend. IWC feature presentation. I have a huge bone to pick with that event as well. Fantastic event. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic event. But I do have a small little... Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. I-, I have a small little bone to pick with a certain individual. But before we get into that, there was a huge announcement that was announced before the event. And we figured, why not just have a certain someone on this week? So let's just get right into it right now. Regulators! It was a clear black night, a clear white moon Warren G was on the streets, trying to consume Some skirts for the E, so I could get some phones Rolling in my ride, chilling all alone Just hit the east side of the LBC On a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak All of you search know what's up with 213 So I hooked select on 21 and Lewis Some brothers shooting dice, so I said let's do this I jumped out the rock and said what's up Some brothers pulled some gas, so I said I'm Since these girls peeping me, I'ma glide and swerve These hookers looking so hard, they straight hit the curve Want to bigger, better things than some horny tricks I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix I'm getting jacked, I'm breaking myself I can't believe they taking Warren's wealth They took my rings, they took my Rolex I looked at the brother, said damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up and they all around Can't none of them see him if they going straight down for pound They wanna come up real quick before they start to clown I best So an epic weekend First and foremost, a huge announcement comes out, and we we had on. I I do have a bone to pick. I I said that I had a bone to pick, but this is a second bone to pick. So I felt like it was extremely disrespectful because I was actually corrected on Twitter. Uh-huh. So I thought that he was referring to Johnny Patch. Johnny Patch loses a match and. He says uh, he's trash. No, you were being an asshole. I wasn't being an asshole. I was like, look, I'm looking at two winners that were on last week and the one person that lost in the first round. I felt it was a little unnecessary to refer to him as trash. <laughs> Go figure. He was referring to somebody that walked out with the championship that night. So, But we're, we're obviously we're going to get to that. But a huge announcement before feature presentation this week, and that, of course, being for winner takes all. And we're going to get to that in due time. But who better to have on none other than a big part of that big announcement? We have Regulators member, the gavel, David Lawless, on with us this week. First and foremost, how are you doing? Great. What's up, morons out in listening world? And uh, who's ready to watch IWC get shut down and be owned by the Regulators? Um I'm raising my hand from a distance, social distancing Good. over here. But, but I'm but, raising my hand. But how can you run it? If you're shutting it down, you can do whatever you well, want. If you run it. I, I mean, the question becomes: Did anyone see Jock Sampson's picture with the IWC Heavyweight Title and all those beautiful women that he had at Washington Wild Things Stadium after? 
You're telling me you don't want the king of the one night stands to be one part of the ownership of IWC? Come on now. I do. And the picture that followed him in his suit on his way to Harrisburg, that in itself, just walking in in that suit would have been, you know what, whatever you want to do, I'll do it for you. And that's what he would have did. So I felt like you're not on the same page. I just here. don't want to know what his relationship with the dime piece is. We're going to, we'll, we'll touch on that. That They're friends. They're friends, first off, but we'll touch on that. Yeah, we know. They need to, sh- they need to share Turnpike money. I understand that. Yes, it's expensive. Have you ever been to an IWC show driving from Ohio? It is expensive. Why do you think we took the long way last time? Exactly. <laughs> to avoid the damn poles. <laughs> so, first and foremost, before we kind of dive into everything that we've kind of uh, just kind of sprinkled in there, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Well, uh, the gavel David Lawless is from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, but uh, my alter ego, Max Petrunia, the real lawyer, is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right here in the lovely, lovely city of black and gold. Uh, yeah, you had us until that point. Yeah, they all do, Pat. I, but it, <laughs> the good thing is, like most of their sports teams, they color coordinate. Ours, <laughs> no, we can't. Not at shit. all. <laughs> we can't do anything. We got brown. Some would, some would say that Pittsburghers aren't smart enough to realize the difference, so that's why they did it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of those people that says that, but. If I were from Cleveland or one of our rival states, I might say that. Well, and th- you just gave us a great talk. You just gave us a good comeback, though. Because l- let's face it, I, if, I, if it's not black and gold, they don't know who or they are. <laughs> they don't know who to cheer for. <laughs> exactly. And and look, I'm I'm going to be damned if I'm going to sit here and let you make fun of Pittsburgh formal wear, okay? Because everyone knows that the only acceptable forms of dress inside of the church and inside of any type of you know professional setting would be either a suit or a Steelers Penguins or well just Steelers and Penguins jersey to be perfectly honest with you well just looking at my co-host here he, he's decked out in his uh his Indians wear today well so, yeah dude because they're gonna win tonight we're gonna at least clinch a playoff spot so we're gonna be good and well we have a pitcher that is in the front runnings for the Cy Young so I'm happy about that but uh, you grew up in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania where did this wrestling bug kind of catch you and what time frame because I know for us, we grew up in the Attitude Era, but for yourself, uh, what time frame kind of drew you in as a fan? Uh, I was right on the cusp of the Attitude Era, but the first match that I ever watched and the first memory of wrestling that I have is turning on Monday Night Raw and watching 1-2-3-Kid pin Razor Ramon uh, live. And so uh, it's just one of those classic iconic moments where you realize that you know they can tell any story and anything can happen professional wrestling i completely agree the first time i turned on i I saw i saw jake the snake roberts and immediately i was like okay i'm stopping here i want to hear what he has to say (laughs) so yep i I completely agree with you so obviously the wrestling bug kind of caught you early you start watching post attitude era now there is a fun little tidbit now you are you kind of gave your your shoot name here you you are an attorney so I do have to ask, obviously, the the wrestling bug never left, but the law side of everything, that that's not an easy profession to get into. I, I mean, tests and tests and tests. I have friends that are attorneys. They, they stress out continuously. What kind of drew you into the law sector of everything? 
well, you know, I always gravitated towards more of the creative writing or public speaking type uh, careers. I, throughout college, um, I majored in political science and I had minors in philosophy, communication, and business. So it was either going to business school to get my MBA or going to law school to get a JD as a natural extension of a graduate degree. But um, I wound up giving law school a chance and uh, I, I just, I fell in love with the practice of law, to be quite honest with you. And the, the, the advocacy uh, element of it, the trial aspect, the litigation aspect of it. So that's how I spent the last decade, uh, or I guess the first decade of my career, is trying cases, uh, arguing appeals, taking depositions, uh, doing just basically any litigation, not really contract work per se. I do some of that, uh, but just, you know, the actual presentation. So the storytelling element of trying to help people trying to convince people of your position on your case. Uh, it's very similar to the storytelling in professional wrestling. Now, there is multiple different facets of law. Now, someone can go into criminal law, tax law, um, environmental law. What position kind of drew you in more than anything? So uh, I graduated law school at a time when the job market for lawyers was, was really, really bad. Uh, 2008 saw the massive uh, stock market crash due to the real estate bubble that had been created by uh, investors that were shorting uh, mortgage bundles. So a lot of big firms uh, were letting go of their associates and a lot of bigger firms were branching off to smaller firms. I started working at a personal injury firm doing medical malpractice and nursing home abuse cases for injured victims. Um, it was, you know, one of the few jobs that was available when I graduated, but one of the things that suited my personality and my abilities. And from there, I've spent the last 10 years working in personal injury and litigation. So uh, I'm glad I didn't go the corporate litigation route or, you know, something like tax law or oil and gas or real estate law, because I love interacting with people and getting the opportunity to uh, tell people stories and help people. Now, everyone always remembers their first. Yeah, you always remember your first match, your first girlfriend, your first date, whatever it may be. What was your first case like? Kind of walking huh. in, first time, like here's your opportunity, you have the reins. What was that whole experience like? So <clears throat> I had worked, the first case that I ever tried in court, uh, I actually sat first chair for a medical malpractice case and... It was a, an interventional radiologist who had punctured our client's jugular vein while he was Jesus. installing a dialysis catheter in his neck. And, um, you know, it, it's uh, I, I had done mock trial when I was in law school. Uh, it was a case that I was very fortunate to get an opportunity to work on, but I was quite overwhelmed. I mean, you can imagine all the medicine and science that goes into learning the anatomy and understanding how... I mean, essentially, when you're trying a case, you have to become the professional. So I had to learn how an interventional radiologist should properly uh, perform this procedure and then figure out why they were unable to diagnose the puncture in our client and what led to his death. So it was a very challenging case. Um, uh, we were not successful, but uh, it was a, it was a memorable experience. And, you know, it primed me for the dedication and work that it takes to really understand the science and the technical aspects of medicine, but have to convey them in a common sense approach for your jurors. And I'm sure being able to cut a promo kind of helps in the courtroom. Do you kind of find yourself 
like at times kind of like breaking into the gavel character as you're in the courtroom? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, the the energy that I put into my character's promos is certainly something that I harness whenever I'm advocating for my clients in the courtroom. The, the difference and distinction is the personalities. You know, um, Max Petrunia represents uh, the, the good aspects of lawyers and the people that want to help individuals. And the gavel David Lawless is basically uh, everything that people detest about lawyers that I've come to hate over my career in opposing counsel that I've channeled into this uh, villainous character. So it's kind of like your own little release. Like, here you are, like... It, during the day, you're you're fighting for the good, and then at night in the ring, you're everyone that you're fighting against. Absolutely. I mean, when you know, when I was going through wrestling school in Pittsburgh, one of the things that people talked about when developing your character, or developing your gimmick, was to uh, you know figure out what you understood or what you knew or what was an extension of your personality. So for me, it was just a natural progression to say. No one's really doing the, the, the wrestling lawyer, and no one's doing it the way that I envision doing it. So let's take the individuals that I've matched up against that I really don't like and take the, you know, the, the, common, the common things you hear about lawyers, right? We're liars. We think we're better than people. We'll do anything we can to get ahead. Uh, turn that up to 11 and then unleash that in the world of professional wrestling. And, you know, that's how you come to form the gavel David Lawless. Well, that's the same thing with uh, mortgage loan originators, to be completely honest. We, <laughs> we just take our our profession, and uh, it, it's like a cutthroat business, too. And that was the first thing that I learned. I, I, I tried getting into it around the mortgage crisis. Thank God I didn't, because who, who knows how detrimental that would have been. Like, hey, I, I'm walking in kind of like that scene from like Wolf of Wall Street, like, First day on the job, and the Dow goes down 500 points, and oh, yep. the mortgage bond market has completely crashed. Okay, well, yep. congratulations. Uh, best of luck on your future endeavors. So, Well, it, and, and you, you know, it's funny you should mention that, because I'll, I'll never forget the day that the market crashed was my, uh, it was the, the second half of my first semester of my first year, and I remember seeing uh, faculty literally in tears because they realized they would have to work for another half a decade to recover from the losses they had in their retirement plan. And I mean, the, the effect that that had on the legal market and the job market itself uh, was astounding. I mean, when I, came, when I went into law school, you had individuals, if you finished in the top 30 to 40 percent of your class, getting you know close to six-figure job offers at big firms when they graduated and then those jobs just disappeared. Oh, yeah. And with mortgage market, once that happened, I remember multitudes of different executives and top loan officers that I knew that were continuously telling me, like, hey, come into the industry. Now, it took me a couple of years before I finally went in once the market kind of settled and, and rebounded. And obviously, regulations came into play and very heavy oversight as well. You're looking at me with a smirk right now. <laughs> My co-host is just like, yeah, you you probably know every way around that too. It's like I, I, I'm the gavel of the mortgage industry, I guess. No, I'm not at all. Ice to an Eskimo, my friend. <laughs> Ice to an Eskimo. No, I, I I've I've dulled it back, but we'll we'll talk about that at a different time. We'll we'll pull a Pollock and we'll talk about that off the air. But <laughs> well, I was gonna I was gonna say I, if if we wanted to do a second podcast talking about how 
you know, it's a good opportunity for people to get involved in real estate right now because of interest rates. And, uh, you know, the, the federal government appears to be buying up trillions of dollars of mortgage-backed securities. So it might not be a bad opportunity for individuals to get in and buy property now. Well, I completely agree with that. It's a great opportunity for people to to buy property. But selling is a different issue because not many people, like uh, many years ago, it was a buying market where flipping was the big thing buying these foreclosed upon properties well now all these individuals have come in and uh, property after property like for example two streets over from where i currently live my cousin owned a house they put it on the market within 24 hours they had 16 offers and half of them were cash offers and just these individuals that are looking to buy these houses so it, it, it's a great time to get in but it's a very very saturated market because everyone is kind of going in and you have to be aggressive. And at the same point, you need to know that with some of these offers, there are offers that people are steering away from. For example, if the words FHA, yes, if you're looking to buy a home, FHA is a great direction to go. But for someone that's looking to sell their property, if they turn down your offer strictly because you're FHA, there's an issue with the home and you need to move on right now because FHA goes into the house with a fine-tuned comb and if there's a problem, they're going to find it in there. But no, that, that I would actually enjoy talking about that and doing a secondary <laughs> podcast and the mortgage market and real estate. And uh, I have a co-host here that's currently in the process of buying a home and hi, I might be your loan officer. How you doing? <laughs> Unless so, you leave uh, again. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Unless you get have, fired. Have fun with that. I'll tell you, it's a stressful time, but it's very rewarding once you buy the homes. So. Oh, yeah. It's so I, my wife and I looked for 14 months before we found this home. and we Yeah, wanted- we, we're still working on uh, fixing up her house first, making sure we get things you know put together to get rid of that first. Yeah, like where it can sell and it, yeah. where, where you can get the most out of it. But then the, the caveat comes in, like, okay, how much am I going to put in and how much am I actually going to get back from this investment? Yeah. And that's what we're currently kind of bouncing back and forth on. Like, hey, we can redo this, but are we going to get the investment back when we sell it? Probably, probably not. So it it's definitely a gamble when it comes to that. But jumping back into the wrestling, you, you <laughs> mentioned how – uh, you you were in law. You went to wrestling school. What kind of steps did you take from there? Because obviously you you're very successful at what you do. We we can just do a simple Google search of uh, and and find exactly where you're employed. Cases that you followed as well, uh, well that you've litigated. That is, and, and can tell that you're you're pretty successful at what you do, and. There is a risk factor. Like no one wants to walk into court Monday morning trying to defend and insert any type of issue, and our attorney has a broken arm, a broken leg, a black eye, or has uh, like marks from like a cheese grater across their head. Shout out to ECW. <laughs> but oh, right. what was that experience like when you decided? You know what? I want to get into professional wrestling as well. Well, I, um, so first of all, I can tell you that, you know, right now my boss is cool with me wrestling because I, I currently work for myself. So that helps a lot. Um, that's a plus. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, I, you know, I graduated law school at the age of 25 and I had been practicing for about five years. 
And one thing you realize when you get into the professional world is that, you know, a lot of individuals that go to graduate school and start working at, um, you know, prestigious jobs or lucrative jobs uh, work themselves into a situation where they kind of uh, forget about their passions or never get the opportunity to pursue their dreams. So I was uh, going through some personal issues with relationships and, you know, just kind of coming into my own as an adult and, I never really gave up on the dream of wanting to be a professional wrestler. So I actually had um, met two individuals that worked at a coffee shop in my building. And you may know them as Marcus Mann and Jack Pollock. Um, And it was through my relationship with them and getting to know them that I learned that there there were independent professional wrestling companies in Pittsburgh and that there were schools that offered the opportunity to learn the craft. So I actually endeavored to begin wrestling when I was 30, uh, but I went to my first independent professional wrestling show. I'd been to a couple without understanding what independent professional wrestling was, but the first one I went to in Pittsburgh, I walked in and the first person that I saw coming out was Gory. And it was, you know, at this time, Gory was wrestling for PWX in McKeesport. And he was doing the gas mask where he would come out. And I think he was spitting blood at that time, too. But I just remember walking in and thinking, man, this is really cool. And so I thought, yeah, I want to I want to go to school where these guys wrestle. And, uh, you know, right before I turned 30, I had my tryout and trained with Brandon Kay. And was I was blessed to have a great training class that was just dedicated to learning professional wrestling and doing our best at getting better at professional wrestling now we've asked what that first experience in the courtroom was like what was that first match like hopefully it wasn't the same type of situation as the first time and there there was a jugular incident but what was that first match like for you well so i should you know i i should start by saying that i consider myself one of the most fortunate individuals to have uh, gone through training in pittsburgh I was trained by Brandon Kay as my primary trainer. Uh, Chris LaRusso also helped in my development. And Chris and I actually went to law school and graduated law school together. I don't know if people know that. Um, And so my training class was uh, Lee Moriarty. Uh, Sean Phoenix was also part of that training class at one point. And Duke Davis. And you can imagine, you know, the talent that I've just named there and the opportunities we had to learn. So... My first match ever was uh, August 8th of 2015 against Cato, legendary Cato. And wow. um, it was, uh, you know, I, I was inserted into a pretty, uh, pretty big storyline at that time uh, and an angle involving uh, none other than my current client, G Raver. So my first match was against Cato. My second match ever was against G Raver. And, uh, First match was interesting. You know, I, uh, I remember getting to the building super early. I think the show started at seven and I was dressed by about five and it was a probably seven to eight minute match. I can remember every single spot and everything that happened in that match to this day. But, uh, you know, I was extremely nervous and wanted to do well and, um, still get nervous to this day every time I step through the curtain. But, uh, Working with someone like Cato, who at that point had been working for about 20 years, put me at a lot of ease and, and made it a pretty simple process. And most people would say that anything that you're passionate about, if you still don't get butterflies before you start 
or still have those nerves, then uh, you've lost that passion for it. Yeah, you've lost that essential care for your yeah. for your craft. Yeah, and I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, I think all of us in the independent professional wrestling scene do this because we love wrestling and we care about the sport, but, you know, we do it for the fans. It's not really about us. It's about the people that are coming to watch us and support us. So, you know, you always have, I, I, I just this Saturday, as I was, you know, making an appearance at Imagine Wrestling, I'm, I'm getting ready to go out and it's, it's just literally a run-in, but I have the butterflies in my stomach because I hope it goes well and I hope it gets the reaction that it wants. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, you're right. You, you know you're still passionate and you love it because you put your all into it. And I'm not the type of person that I don't half-ass anything in my life, so. Yeah, and if you didn't, if you just went out there and phoned it in or just looked at it and said, okay, well, this is just a run-in. I, I don't have to take this seriously. Like, how could I truly mess this up? If you're standing there having those feelings, yeah, you, you shouldn't even be running out there. So I, I, I get the same way it, with my second job. Every, I've done it every weekend for, geez, 14 years, almost every single weekend. Was it 14 years? Has it been that long? Since you've been DJing? Yes. Well, you're you're 33 now. Dude, thanks for reminding me. Thanks. <laughs> hey, don't. Yeah. That's not that old. That's not. That I know, old. but I, I I'm the oldest of my friend group, and I just had a birthday this past uh, Friday, so everyone just seems to be uh, reminding me. Hey, that, my hey, my wow. girlfriend's turning 34 here in a couple of days. So okay, I don't feel so bad then. No, okay. but she yeah, she hates the fact that I'm younger than her. <laughs> <laughs> am I am I the oldest person as part of this conversation at 35? I, yeah, I at this point yes so wow sorry Amazing. yeah no so. it's okay i don't i don't embrace i don't mind it man my 30s have been the best years of my life so uh, so far so good so i i have no complaints i'm only uh i'm only three years in but yeah i have i have no complaints at this point i, I feel like i'm the the older uh wiser uh, of my friend group not even close actually <laughs> not even close <laughs> older yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After Old, that, eh, older and wiser. No. 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 Older, yes. Wiser. Eh, All people have to do is just point at me at any circle at any gathering, and they're like, "Okay, that's the old one. He's not the wisest." <laughs> so. Until until my girlfriend shows up, and then you're like, "Hey, it's her! It's her! It's her! She's uh, the one." So, yeah, you mentioned G Raver. If she now, ever listens to this, I love you. <laughs> 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 I, we we do this in my own basement. The only time my wife listens is when she's folding laundry or watching TV on the other side of the room. So, oh, she's about to beat you. Oh, that's she's gonna throw sounds, something. Sounds really supportive. She, she's very <laughs> supportive. Yes, she she allows us to do this, so that's as much support and that we're gonna get, and I'll take it. So there you go. She she's gonna there throw something go. at me. So I have to, I always have my back to her too. That's probably where my uh, my fault line comes in. But uh, you mentioned G Raver. And as I had mentioned on a previous episode, that I didn't know that you were the one. I had followed this case for so long, and with, obviously, you'll kind of touch on the details, but I wasn't aware that you were the one that was kind of handling this litigation. So kind of tell us a little bit about this whole G-Raver case and what it entailed. Yeah, so um, just as a little bit of an aside, my... Uh, best friend in the whole wide world, uh, Rishi Ball, has been the lead singer of a pop punk band for over a decade. 
And I got into doing some entertainment type law with a music festival that he promotes every year called Four Chord Music Festival and looking at band contracts and everything. So, you know, one of the things that I've always hoped to do as part of professional wrestling is to be able to offer the opportunity to help uh, wrestlers in the independent scene as they go through with their contracts and any other disputes that they might run into during uh, during their careers. Because, you know, I, I, if you can believe it, uh, there are companies that will try to take advantage of individuals uh, because they just want to wrestle. So they'll make them sign these contracts that are completely unfavorable to the talent. And, you know, people will be left without really many options. So, you know, I realize, and I know this isn't necessarily answering your question right now, but I'm not the best. I'm not in the greatest shape in the world. I'm not the greatest professional wrestler in the world. But if I can leave the wrestling business in better shape than when I came in, and if I can help those people that have helped me along and that I get a chance to wrestle with, then I feel like I have accomplished much in my career. So I always wanted to help wrestlers with contracts, with trademarking issues, you name it. And so um, when this whole issue with Jim Cornette arose and, you know, if for, for by way of backstory, what happened was G. Raver was involved in a pretty serious mishap at a deathmatch show for Game Changer Wrestling last August in Illinois. Uh, he almost lost his life, and Jim Cornette f took it upon himself to uh, comment on a video of what happened to, to G. Raver, basically saying that he was hoping that his character, him, would, would bleed out in the back. Now, Cornette has become an individual who is synonymous with being the shock jock related to professional wrestling. So, you know, they created the, we'll call it the FJC t-shirt. Um, and so Cornette and his lawyer, Stephen P. New, threatened to sue. Uh, immediately, I was reached out to by G. Raver and the Indy Connection for, for assistance because, you know, let's face it, there's not a lot of lawyers in professional wrestling, you know. Um, it's like if, uh, you know, you're DJing, but then someone says, hey, I need a mortgage. Well, there's not a lot of uh, mortgage servicing DJs out there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I'll give you that. <laughs> so, uh, which, which I must say, you know, this has been a great opportunity to develop business, too, because, you know, again, most wrestlers, when they have legal questions, they come to me because they don't know many lawyers. Um so, yeah, so so he had approached me and asked me if I would uh, help him with this matter or if I would represent them. And I, I had really, I knew a little bit about trademark law. I had never defended anyone in a lawsuit in court, especially someone that was being named in a federal lawsuit. And I took on uh, G. Raver and the Indy Connection as a client. And currently, uh, the litigation is ongoing, but recently we were successful in getting a restraining order denied, uh, Cornette's counsel had filed an order or a request for the court to, to basically stop the sale of these shirts while the litigation was ongoing. And we were successful in getting that denied. So uh, we are proceeding through discovery and hopefully we'll have a resolution of this case within the next several months, an official resolution. So anyone that's listening, go buy a shirt right now. Literally, just sell out the entire store and buy. I think my co-host and I should uh, should buy some right now too, just in good faith. Sure. There, so, there's there you go. There's 
there's a really cool G Raver and David Lawless Defenders of the First Amendment shirt on the IndieConnection.com. Uh, and there you can check out some of the other merchandise and links to the other merchandise as well. But, you know, I will say that uh, the opportunity to blend professional wrestling with uh, practicing law has certainly been something I couldn't have even imagined in my wildest dreams. I mean, to think that, you know, I'm performing on a show, getting a chance to sometimes meet my idols from growing up, and then I'm sitting in a federal courthouse in May getting ready to cross Jim Cornette, who I literally just watched manage uh, the British Bulldog in a match against Diesel on YouTube like the day before. Uh, it's just, you know, what is this life? I'm just so blessed for the opportunities that I have. <laughs> I, I couldn't even imagine what that would be like Like in your opening argument. First and foremost, Mr. Cornette, huge fan. Yeah, off, By, off, the, <laughs> off the record, huge fan. Uh, off the record, you were a big part of who I am today, not only in the ring, but also in the courtroom. But on the record, you, you are suck. a piece of shit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, there's a funny... There's a funny story about Cornette and I as well, because uh, I don't know if you, you all are familiar with a promoter from West Virginia by the name of Rock Parsons. Name um, sounds familiar. So uh, Mr. Parsons, I, I forget the name of the company that he owns, but several years ago, he had a concept to shoot an American Idol style professional wrestling show called Olympus Wrestling. And so there was a taping down at the Wheeling Island Casino and Resort. Uh, I want to say it was April of 20... Oh, gosh. I think it was 2017 or 2018. And so I, I wasn't on the show, but Sam Adonis and Lee Moriarty, in addition to Andrew Pallas and uh, Beastman from Pittsburgh, were all on the show. And the concept was you had a panel of four judges and essentially it would be like American Idol. You would come out, you would wrestle, the judges would evaluate you and vote you on to the next round or whatnot. So I went down to the show and, and Sam Adonis, who I you know, can't thank enough for everything he's done for me, uh, actually got me on the show and him and I were in the main event that night together. So Cornette was actually one of the judges on the show. And uh, Cornette did not vote me on. Uh, the three other panelists did vote me to the second round. So I, you know, jokingly told uh, Cornette's attorney, I said, you tell Jim that the reason why I'm continuing to push forward with this litigation and be a thorn in his side is because he didn't vote me through to the next round <laughs> <laughs> in Olympus Wrestling. But, um, no, it was an interesting experience. So, I, you know, one of the first things I asked uh Mr. Cornette, whenever I cross-examined him, was if he remembered me as part of the show. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's on yeah. legal record. <laughs> you would not believe. You would not believe some of the stuff that we had to say in federal court. Uh, you know, obviously, this being an adult podcast, I can use some some of the language, but uh, yeah, go for you it. You know, to to have to say fuck and fuck Jim Cornette, and, you know, just putting this on the record in federal court. I, I never envisioned swearing in court, but let alone, you know, saying some of the things that we said. It's just, we had we had actually done a stipulation ahead of the hearing where basically we had agreed, like, we're not going to say fuck Jim Cornette every time that comes up. We're just going to say FJC, or, oh. you know, there's a shirt that they had that said motherfucker on it. We just... You know, we shortened it to MFR because, you know, you've got a court reporter, you've got a judge, and 
<laughs> you know, but then when you're playing parts of Cornette's podcast and, and, you know, like audio stuff, audio evidence, you know, words are coming out. Yeah. So it's oh, yeah. just funny to think that, you know, you just sit there and you realize that there has to be a reason why you decided at the age of 30 to become a professional wrestler. And then five years later, you're going to be sitting with your own law firm being able to defend your friend in a federal trademark lawsuit. It's just against Jim Cornette at that <laughs> again against Jim Cornette. And actually, what's funny is I was in Columbus at a toy store called um, Big Fun Columbus. Oh, and oh. Oh. the the uh, I guess I started talking to the owner of Big Fun or one of the employees there. They actually gave me a free Jim Cornette action figure when they found out that I was the lawyer defending G. Raver. So now it's a voodoo doll. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. What a come up. I just I saw that, that action figure, and I'm a huge toy collector. I don't really collect a lot of wrestling toys, but I saw the Jim Cornette action figure, and I thought to myself, if there's an action figure that I need to have, it is absolutely a Jim Cornette action figure. I 100% agree. Yeah. Now, you, you it, kind of side note here, you said that you collect toys. What kind of toys do you find yourself collecting? Complete uh, sidebar I, right here. We'll, no, we'll that's fine. Term. I have um, quite an extensive collection of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys and yes. Batman toys. Uh, what series of Batman, though? Just anything you can get your hands on? Uh, it's pretty much mostly concentrated on just Batman action figures. I don't really do the secondary characters. Um, as I'm looking at my collection right now, I've got uh, almost every single McFarlane Batman that's come out in the last two years. Uh, I've got the Batman. My favorite is probably the Batman Samurai action figure. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough to describe because there's so many different iterations of Batman that have come out. But, uh, yeah, I've got... What? It, it, I, I apologize. Give me one second here. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, it's okay. <laughs> My dryer is literally about ready to explode, it sounds it's like. <laughs> My God. Uh, my wife went in there to fix it, and she made it ten times worse. <laughs> no, she was hitting it. She was hitting it? Yes. Was she really? Oh, my God. Oh, sitting on it. Oh, oh. sitting on it. <laughs> She's <laughs> everything okay at the house. Yes. Uh. <laughs> it's really bad when we go to a doctor's appointment and they're like, are you are you safe in your household? Uh. But the sad thing is we're not thinking about how much harm we could cause each other. We're both extremely terrified of our two-year-old. So, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Our two-year-old's a whole lot of fun. Side side note there. So um, our, our two-year-old is the definition of demon child. Um, and David can attest to this as well. Yep. Um, he, he has broken three TVs. Um, recently, no, I thought he only broke the one. Nope. No, 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 no. You Wait, how many? He's broken two, right? Two. Yeah, uh -huh. he broke... He broke the one in Seamus's room previously. Then he broke the one downstairs. My four-year-old, now five-year-old, um, would not share his PS4 with my two-year-old. So my two-year-old took a pair of pliers and threw them at the TV, breaking the TV, and then stood there in victory like, hey, if I can't play, you can't play. Um, wow. Um, he has mastered climbing fences 
at his the ripe age of two, he has figured out uh, we had to put special locks on our doors. He discovered very quickly that if you hit the chain link lock with a broom hard enough, it will come undone. We then had to put uh, doorknob, uh, uh, like doorknob covers, on all of the doors in our house. Um, he has covered our house in not only Comet, but uh, cornstarch, baking soda. <laughs> Wait, what? Sharpie. Oh, Sharpie. Oh, Sharpie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've learned so many ways to remove Sharpie off of multiple surfaces in yep. the, just the last few weeks. Oh, hey, don't forget he took his first bump the other week. <laughs> he, he did. That was hilarious. By the way, had a company reach out to us that does social media. I, I think I told you on Friday, but I was pretty drunk. Um, so I'll use that as my defense. Um, but... There was a company that reached out that wanted to use our video um, and help promote it to other platforms and help it become because I've watched that like that video has over like I I think a thousand views right now and literally I I can assure you that 600 are me watching it on loop. I'll send. I have to send you the video. So, it, it, like, he was standing on top. He his favorite toy for cli- uh, his favorite climbing mechanism are uh, clothes baskets. So, he'll, oh, okay. He'll yep. flip our hamper and he'll stand up on my dresser and he'll take everything off of my dresser. He unplugs everything. It, like we we lock him in our bedroom at night. That sounds horrible. He can get out, but he just stays in there because he's got open <laughs> rain. Um, he'll take all the clothes out. He'll dump all the clothes. Um, he'll open up every single drawer, take anything out that he can. Well, one day my wife was just kind of watching him like, what are you doing? He had a clothes basket on top of our bed and he was falling backwards. He was taking bumps onto the, the, the bed. Well, at one point she's, she decides she's going to take her phone out and record him. Well, he stands up on top of there, gives his little cheese does his he does this like superman like he's flying type deal like he does this whoosh like he, he's superman well he goes to fall backwards well he doesn't fall the same direction that he did previously and he connects with the edge of the bed and oh, his head flips backwards and you just see his legs go up and he falls between the wall and the bed and just straight down. <laughs> all you all you hear is a thud, and then you lose him, yeah. and then the phone starts to drop as she's running towards. The- no, 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 no. Time out. She was not running towards him. She turned around so she could laugh. She oh. did not run towards him. We know the cry if you are in trouble or hurt. No, okay, good. Okay, yes. because I thought she went to go check on him from the video. No, she turned. No. Ar- she turned around so she could laugh. And then she checked on him to make sure he was yes. okay. If you don't hear him screaming, I don't know if you leave him alone or check to make sure he's still breathing. No, you never <laughs> react if a child is. Oh, hurt, I know that much. You you never react. If you react, they're going to cry. I was you around wait my niece. Tears. I was around my niece long enough. Yeah, if you react, they're more likely to cry. You wait for them to cry. My son was crying, and it was his distress. Help me cry, not the. Help me, I'm hurt. <laughs> Help me, I'm stuck. He he was stuck. His <laughs> he was he was head down, legs up, and he was stuck. And he realized he couldn't get himself out. So yeah, 
Uh, I'll post that video at. Uh, I'll, I'll you know what I'll I'll post it uh, shortly after. Uh, you're all probably listening to this. I'll put it in like our story or something like that. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, it will be fantastic. So, kind of jumping back into it with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys and going to Big Fun. We're upset because all of the Big Fun stores closed in our area. And oh. Yeah, and anytime we had an opportunity to get into those stores, I mean, you would just stop in there and... I'm looking at some of the toys that are in there. Like one toy in particular that I'm still kicking myself to this day. I owned. I begged my parents for it. Took it over to my friend's house, and my friend broke it. I had a talk boy from Home Alone 2. Nice. Do you know how much those are selling for right now? Oh, crazy. 250 Crazy. Oh, like $300, $400 on eBay? My parents were like, oh, you better take care of this. And they paid like $25 for it. Like maybe twenty six dollars. It's literally just a video. It's a tape recorder, just a cool looking yeah. tape recorder. That's it. That that Kevin McAllister used to tape his uncle in the shower. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And I had one, and now they're selling for four hundred dollars. Another great toy that I had that I took for granted. I had a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I had the uh, Rufus phone booth. Oh, nice. Yeah, had it. Whoa. Got rid of it. Dick. I had every toy of uh, that w- imaginable from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey growing up. Every single toy. Gone. Don't know where they are. So crazy. Well, and especially <laughs> now with the with the third movie coming out, I'm sure those things have gone up in value recently. A lot. Yeah. I, I still check, still to this day. On eBay, just to see like if someone's just undervaluing something, but they always put a bid now, and then obviously the the toy collectors just pop right on in and and snatch them all up. But yeah. uh, obviously, we're we're gonna have to start a part three now to talk about old vintage toys now. So we're gonna talk about the mortgage market, real estate. Now we're gonna talk about vintage toys. So we can have them on like multiple times yeah we're so. gonna need to. dude you want to you want to talk toys i will talk toys i'm sitting here i'm like running out of room in my place with all the ninja turtle action figures i have so the only like i only get the top of my desk like in my entire house like where i can show off my wrestling collection i only yeah. have one wall and it's in mm. my basement next to my bar uh toppled with all of my action figures and and autographs and like uh, wrestling show posters, and I don't even have all of them up. Like I, I've I've run out of wall space, unfortunately. Yeah, I you were only allowed to the edge of the bar. Yeah, <laughs> just to the edge of the bar, and that's where uh, actually Jackson Argos cuts it off right there. So Jackson's as far as it can go right there. So, but uh, you're overlapping the bar. You may have to move it. <laughs> don't don't tell Jackson. He might freak out. But anyway, he's definitely gonna freak out. He is absolutely gonna freak out. But speaking of Jackson Argos and IWC, not necessarily Jackson. Where are you? That's all I want to know. You're hiding in the rafters. We need Jackson Argos. Save us, Jackson Argos. But speaking of saving IWC, at winner take all, it was announced just this past weekend, right before feature presentation, that in an attempt to save IWC. Justin Plummer has made quite the announcement at winner take all on October 10th. It is going to be team Plummer versus team regulators. 
And the winner of the match, it's an elimination-style match, and the winner deserve, earns full ownership of IWC and can do with whatever they so choose. So tell me a little bit about this build-up to this match because obviously it's been announced and with Jack, with Jack uh, wow, I almost said Jackson Argos. but let, let's Get him off the mind, man. I, 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 we need Jackson Argos and IWC. Hopefully, he's on Team Regulators, though. To be honest, don't you hate on Argos? We, we will fight. But I want to kick you in the never. <laughs> keep, keep it PG. Keep it PG. We're in a courtroom right now. But yeah. But the match was announced. Now, Jock had made it a, an announce. He had made a stipulation that. Plummer needs to be on the team, but he can pick anyone. So kind of tell us about your buildup to to this uh, central moment. It's kind of like the Alliance versus WWF from back in the day, and it's like the greater good versus uh, the powers that be. So kind of bring us up to speed with what's going on on team regulators here. Well, it's simple. You know, uh, we're sick of Justin Plummer giving handouts to his best friends. We're sick of people like Jack Pollock and Andrew Palace getting the upper hand over the hardworking, talented, essential workers of the regulators. And, you know, quite frankly, Justin Plummer stuck his nose where it didn't belong in screwing Jock Sampson out of the IWC heavyweight title more times than I can count. So before Super Indy, I went to my good friend Judge Reinhold in Washington County and I got an injunction signed that said that the regulators could shut down the show at any cost. But Jimmy Vegas, you know, with his like Icarus mentality, flew a little too close to the sun and decided to add Jock to the elimination style match with him and Jack Pollock. So Jock won the title and we planned on executing our vision, which was to shut IWC down thanks to Thomas J. Wolf. Unfortunately, you know, we decided that we were going to make it hurt a little bit more for Justin Plummer. So he wants to put his company on the line. He wants to pick whomever he wants from the IWC roster. No secret here. The regulators are going to be mounting up October 10th at Washington Wild Things Park. You're going to see Deputy Don Murphy, uh, Officer Dan Murphy, the gavel David Lawless Esquire, the Silver Bullet Chris LaRusso, and the GOAT, IWC Heavyweight Champion Jock Sampson. I implore you to find four or five better individuals, more talented, smarter, more cunning, uh, more athletic than the regulators. And quite frankly, you can't because you have to add in Justin Plummer uh, into that mix for Team IWC. And we all know how well Plummer did last time he was in the ring against his best friend, Jack Pollock. So obviously it, it did you put a stipulation in there that it has to be active roster he can't call back some of his friends from the past hey if he wants to march down to florida and dig up aj styles and all those other people that have come through iwc more power to him the truth is the regulators are going to run through anyone the team iwc puts out there well i'm looking forward to it more than anything and october 10th I have to ask permission. October 10th, can I go to Pittsburgh? She said yes. Okay, there I we can, go. I can't. I can't. What? I already got family obligations. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, the, the, the better part is it's in Washington County, so it's actually going to be closer to you. Coming it is. From Ohio. It is. I got family obligations. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, but, I'll go alone. But, but it's fine. Yeah. I, I, will, I will say, outside of regulators, just, you know, the gavel, 
how exciting is it to see at an indie show a you know Survivor Series style match? It's very, true. it's very rare to see that, and especially with the stipulations involved. I mean, some it, obviously you just have okay this team versus this team, but the stipulations of hey ownership of the company is on the line, and now there's that anticipation: is he going to announce his team beforehand, or do you have to come all the way to Washington Wild Things Park to find out? Who's on his team? Who could show up? Who could these mystery tag team partners be? Who could he be calling back? Who could be coming back and making a return? Or who who could be rejoining forces together? I mean, it, at this point, we could see a resurgence of just throwing some out there. Uh, we could see flipping 8 Easy coming out there. We could see, uh, and this is a pipe dream, obviously, but we could see... Team Storm rejoining forces. It's not, not going to happen, but it could Jackson is happen. not coming back. He is coming back. Why do you got to kill the dream, my friend? Why do you have to kill the dream? But anything can happen. But there's only one place you're going to see it, and that's obviously it, it's either when he's going to announce it, if he's going to continuously make those announcements leading up to the event, or he's going to tell you, hey, if you want to find out, you got to buy a ticket or you have to subscribe to the network. That would be, personally, that would be the technique that I would go with. I'd leave it a surprise, give the element a surprise, and no disrespect to the regulators, but I'm sure you guys are prepared for anything, but kind of building up that element of surprise where you don't know who to anticipate, who to prepare for, but that would be the direction that I would go overall. Well, when you're part of the greatest faction in professional wrestling history, there's not much that scares you. So you Touché. can, you know, you can bring whomever you want. But you know, when you have Justin Plummer as one of the participants in the match, you know you're starting at an advantage to begin with. And, and you could just uh, walk out there with a shirt that says "I beat Jim Coronet." <laughs> there you go, and just right there, front and center, and, and walk out there. What I really want to see, my one request, is during a court proceeding, at just kind of reenacting a particular moment in the case, but you use the Jim Cornette action figure to Jim Cornette, <laughs> and you just, like, you could pick, like, any other, like, you could get, like, an action figure of, like, Brother Love or something like that, and this is me, and then it could just be Cornette and Brother Love added again. I well, I mean, look, no one's no one said that Cornette could be on Team IWC. I mean, you know, he's still taking bookings. He is, yeah. No one needs no one wants to see that. He, he's he's still he, he's still a little salty from us when we met him down at NWA seventy, so you. <laughs> me well, me, yes. I'm sorry. That was that was uh what do we call it? BD? BD before Dave, yes. yes. So that that was previous co-host, but yeah, he, he my previous co-host got on Jim Cornette's bad side, but oh really? He, what happened? So um, he he was trying to egg him on, get a promo out of him. Now, granted, he did get a promo out of him. It, it got a lot of uh, got us some nice buzz, um, and it, geez, it, it it like blew up like hotcakes right after we posted. But he was talking about the the burger order, and that was the only promo that he got out of him, but. I mean, he was asking him anything and everything, and it was to the point where Coronet was just looking at him like, "Dude, like, let's move it on. Like, let's 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 go. Like, there's other people in line. Like, 
and he's just egging him on, like hoping for like any tidbit of information. Oh, and reminding and reminding everyone how he was named after a wrestling mat. Oh my god, <laughs> my god, and the callback, <laughs> and the callback. <laughs> oh my god, Dave, uh, <sighs> Dave with the with the shots right now. But I was like standing at the table, and I was actually talking to Dory Funk, and I had to leave the conversation with Dory Funk to go grab my co-host and be like, dude. He's getting pissed. Like, move already. So, yeah, we we blew any additional shot we had with Jim Cornette that night. So maybe he remembers. We we'll send you the video and you can play it in court as well. Next time I talk to him, I'll have to ask him. <laughs> yeah, NWA seventy, the guy that you almost knocked over the head. Just be, and he'd probably be like, oh, everyone that was there probably. So probably didn't <laughs> doesn't stand out too well, but. Either way, we don't want to take too much more of your time. We definitely want to have you on for round two, round three. There's multiple different things that we can touch on. But if you do want to follow along, you can find him all across social media. He's tagged in all of our posts. If you do want to see him live, you can see him October 10th at Winner Takes All IWC at Washington Wild Things Park. Get your tickets now available at IWCWrestling.com. Get general admission, or you can get front row seats and see Team Regulators versus Team IWC live and in person. The Gavel, David Lawless, thank you so much for your time here tonight. Best of luck to you on October 10th, and we look forward to having you back on in the future. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate you all having me on, and uh, it's always fun to talk about wrestling and the law and toys and mortgages and, uh, you know, you name it, we'll be able to have a discussion about it. So, Well, we look forward to having you back. So I premise this numerous times. The bone I have to pick. What is the boner you have to pick? <laughs> you really had to go there, didn't you? The bone that I have to pick is for the longest time we were com- we were sedating that I, I'm trying to talk here. I, I stated that the main event of each presentation needed to be a particular match. There was a lot of buildup for it. It needed to be one particular match. Now, I understand why they didn't do it. Don't. Don't get it twisted. I understand the philosophy behind it. You want to send fans home happy. I completely understand. And Team Hammer Time or Hammer Hardcore Hardcore Hammer Hammer Time Time. versus the Gambinos, uh, Return of the Gambinos, yes, was a, a big moment. And it was a great match, too. But I still feel like Team Big League versus Steak and Eggs for the Tag Team Championships should have been the main event. That's how. That, that's just how I feel. So, uh, that was my only takeaway, my only bone to pick. I felt like that deserved to be the main event. That was the the happy moment of the day for myself. Uh, I'm happy for Team Big League, and also happy that this wasn't the end of Steak and Eggs. Obviously, it's another opportunity for them, especially with Winner Takes All coming up. Every title is going to be on the line. Who is going to be the First contenders for the IWC Tag Team Championships because, let's face it, Elijah Dean put out the challenge. He'll take any team. And there's multiple teams that have come out, even pretty proper with our former guest Lady Frost and Savage Benjamin are one of the individuals that came out saying, hey, you know what, we, we'd love to uh, take an opportunity there. So we'll see if Victor Benjamin and Lady Frost are the first uh their, their first challenge for that the would IWC. Be fun. That would be a lot of fun. 
another one that no one seemed to mention, but yet Team Big League mentioned. I would love to see Team Big League take on none other than the Gymnasty Boys. I think that would be too much fun. It'd be too deep. Can, can, can they too. wait until November for that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we're back inside because I really don't want to watch uh, come November. I don't want to watch wrestling outside. Uh, considering where we're currently at. Now, if they, they move to Florida, by all means. And I, I wouldn't mind a, a nice little flight down to Florida to watch some wrestling. But, I mean, it, it, it all varies. But... I would love to see Gymnasty Boys take on, granted, any team in IWC, if, if that. But for the titles, it would be fun. But another question I have for you is the women's championship match. At this point, we still have Ray Lynn as the women's champion. Who do you see stepping up to take on none other than Ray Lynn for the women's championship. Who is going to step up at winner's take, uh, winner takes all? I mean, it could it be Katie Arquette again? Could it be the return of one of our former guests as well? Who knows? Uh, I, I, I'm waiting for these matches to get announced. We already know one of them. We got Team IWC versus Team Regulators. For the winner getting full ownership of IWC, but who are going to be some of these challengers for the other championships? We got Brian Pillman Jr., who's going to be defending the Super Indy Championship. We got RC Dupree defending the High Stakes Championship. And then we got Ray Lynn with the Women's Championship. Who's going to step up? Honestly, right now, I have no idea. I, I don't either. At this point, I. And it's not at the fault of IWC. Unfortunately, it's been the fault of, of Mother Nature more than anything. But it, it seems like it's just one, one, one after another because they've had to reschedule, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. You can't have an outdoor show when it's raining like crazy. So everything's just kind of been very close together the last few months, which is great because we have wrestling nonstop. But it, it really doesn't give us a whole lot of time to question, okay, who is... Who's going to challenge here? So, with obviously with Jock Sampson being in the main event, Team Regulators versus Team IWC, the IWC Championship is, I can only assume more than anything, that the Indians just won. So Jose, three-run homer, bottom ten. Oh, wow. Playoffs. Playoffs. There we go. Fun moment for us. So... Magic number was fireworks. Fireworks <laughs> on the app. Yeah, you could have just put on YouTube TV while we were while we were recording and just watched it. I wouldn't have uh, been offended. We, we had this whole TV. We could have had it on actually. I know, but you would have asked. Uh, you would have had to ask the wife, and yeah, she she's not very happy with us right now. Sure, she wants me to go home. I think she does too at this <laughs> point. But anyway, uh, there, there's multiple different individuals, and I'm I'm excited to see what the card matches up to be. But at the same point, I'm excited to see what Team IWC is going to be. Once again, I just hope they wait to announce it, whereas you have to be there to find out who is on the team, and it's just three massive surprises. We know one of the individuals, that of course being Justin Plummer, but who's Justin going to bring along? I can only assume that one of them is probably going to be Jack Pollock. Another could potentially be, hmm, if I, I it could be team, it it could be uh, the main event. 
Yeah, that's true. They, they haven't had a they haven't had a shot in a while. They they haven't had a shot in a long time. But congratulations to them this past weekend. Uh, they had two matches in one day. They walk out with the Imagine Wrestling Tag Team Championships. So who knows? They they could be on Team IWC. But we could also see a return that we haven't seen in a long time. We could see once again as stupid as you might think it might be. But they bring back one member of Team Storm. And we get Jackson Argos back again. Dude. I'm once again, I just want Jackson Argos back in IWC. I've reached out to him. I get these cryptic messages. I get no replies from him. And we've always had a great relationship. I, I think he's still better because he, he's no longer the most downloaded episode in 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 our show's history. But speaking of our show's history, we're about ready to hit a huge milestone. That's what that's and, what you told me. And it, granted, we're, we're pretty dang close. I'm not going to say exactly how many there are, but we're close to our 100th episode of the Dark Match Podcast. Now, we got to really figure out this actual number. <laughs> I, I have figured out this actual number. I know, but, but we got to figure out which one we want to go by. <laughs> no, I think it's the one where some episodes... <clears throat> deleted ones um with former guests that don't have the best of reputations anymore that we have deleted and we've gone clean slate from so we're about so we are three away yeah three away this is episode number 97 we'll say 97 okay okay so this is episode 97 why are we saying 97 it is 97 this is episode number 97 so we are very close to episode 100. So we're going to premise this out. What I want you guys to do, if you're listening at this point, or if you've been like, hey, uh, I'm moving on, I want you guys to send me your request for who you would like to see as our 100th guest on the show. It could be one of our former guests, or it could be a completely new guest that you want to hear as well. I, I would love to have some of our former guests back on as well. Maybe we just do a recap with all of them. We just get like a quick like 10 to 15 second sound clip from all of them probably not gonna happen but it'd be fun if we could but have all these guests back on for just a quick uh little tidbit of inf- just a quick little tidbit update of what they're doing and and where they've been since they've been on the show that's so, true uh, who knows what we're gonna do for 100 but we're, we're getting pretty close and we know we're gonna have a lot of alcohol that day as well but that's gonna do it for this week's episode be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Head on over to watermaneuver.net. Search Dark Match Podcast and grab yourself one of our Nitro DMP shirts. Once again, if you purchase your shirt, send us a picture in the shirt. Not only will you get a shout-out from us, but you'll get a shout-out from What a Maneuver as well. Be sure to follow our guests as well. You can find them all across social media, tagged in all of our posts. That is going to do it for us. Everybody have a great weekend. We will see you again next week.